0: The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown presents The Palace of Wayward Dreams, episode five. Elizabeth lost sight of the Chinese youth, but she followed O'Malley so closely that she nearly stepped on his heels. They reached the far corner of the room and passed through a beaded curtain. They filed into a tiny office And there, seated behind a lacquered black table, sat Mr. Fung. Everything about him surprised Elizabeth. His frock coat with its velvet collar, his ascot tie tucked into a starched white shirt, and his handsomely parted hair. His powdery face was clean-shaven except for an urbane mustache. He held a long cigarette holder in his fingers, its cherry blazing fiercely in the murky confines. Documents were spread out before him, each page densely covered in Chinese characters, but he swept these papers aside and clasped his hands on the table. Good evening, said Mr. Fung. How may I help you? Mr. Fung did not speak in the breathy Mandarin accent Elizabeth expected. His dialect was the polished speech of a university man. Before they could reply, Elizabeth and O'Malley parted and Lexi stepped between them. Mr. Fung saw her sallow expression and leaned back in his chair, sighing heavily. "'Well, thank God,' he said, brushing ashes from his pant leg. "'Better late than never.' "'You'll forgive us,' said O'Malley brusquely. Do you know why we're here? Of course, replied Mr. Fung, grinning humorlessly. You've come for Theodore. At least I hope that's why you're here. Can you lead us to him? We'll be happy to pay his bill and be on our way. Mr. Fung flicked his cigarette toward an ashtray and looked up quizzically. Oh, he said, I see. You see what? said O'Malley. I see you really don't know why you're here. Mr. Fung rose from his chair and leaned forward, pressing his knuckles into the table. The man's dark silhouette was reflected in its glassy surface. Before we proceed, please understand. Theodore is my friend, and not because of this. He wagged a finger in the direction of the main room. Rest assured— "'Sir Shanley is not one of them, nor has he ever been.' "'He doesn't smoke opium?' asked Elizabeth. "'Absolutely not,' bellowed Fung. "'I wouldn't hear of it. "'I would never serve opium to a man I respect, "'no matter how much he entreated me. "'I would sooner cut ties altogether than watch a friend go to ruin.' "'Then where is he?' demanded O'Malley. "'Is he not here?' "'I'll show you,' said Fung." But bear in mind, although Theodore has never touched an opiate, he has experienced a downfall. What you are about to see will not make sense, not at first. Only listen to me, and once you understand, you'll see why I am on your side. Fung led them into a hallway. Many years ago... This carpet and molding would have pleased a visitor, but now they were decrepit with age. The hallway was unadorned, except for a bookcase in the middle, whose shelves were loaded with forgotten volumes. It looked lonely, standing halfway down the naked corridor. Fung stopped in front of the bookcase and gripped both sides with his hands. For a moment, Elizabeth wanted to say, What is it, a secret passage? But then, to her surprise and delight, the bookcase moved, and a sliver of an opening emerged. Nice cover, she said. They slithered through the opening. As Elizabeth stepped into the alcove, she nearly bumped her knee on a clay umbrella stand. She huddled against the wall, took in her surroundings, and tried to hide her disbelief. The space had the size and décor Of a living room. The walls were hung with blase landscape paintings and potted ferns sprawled in the corners. Like the rest of the establishment, windows were absent, so all light emanated from overhanging lamps. In the middle, five large chairs were arranged in a circle. Their backs were slanted so that their five occupants could comfortably recline. Each figure was crumpled into a chair, head lolling sideways, lost in fathoms of sleep. But before Elizabeth could think to identify these strangers, she spied the room's centerpiece. A large metal box, nearly the size of a steamer trunk, topped with helical cables. Two antennae protruded from its center, and blue ribbons of electricity crackled upward, bridging the gap between the two rods, until they sparked into nothingness. Elizabeth was transfixed. The sizzle and pop of unleashed energy made her forget where she was. Skinny wires radiated from the box, rambling along the carpet and climbing the legs of the slumbering quintet. Each wire ended in a small needle, which was inserted into the skin of their faces, Needles were everywhere, lanced into temples and cheeks, into necks and throats. Needles pierced behind their earlobes. Needles were stuck sideways into their brows. Elizabeth watched their closed eyes, which shifted busily behind their lids. Their fingers twitched. Now and again, a shoulder flinched, followed by a foot. But otherwise, they were motionless. There were two women, one a raven-haired beauty in an evening gown, the other a dark-skinned woman wearing a flowing sari and bindi on her forehead. There was a middle-aged man in a silk Sherwani tunic, surely the second woman's companion. Another man was young and heavily bearded, with high boots and a blue hunting jacket. And there, on the far side of the room, sat Sir Shanley. His sunken cheeks were scraggly with overgrown gray mutton chops, and his billowed white shirt had been split open, revealing pale skin lined with ribs. He was emaciated, his arms reduced to twigs. Yet his flesh puddled over his bones like oversized clothes. He had lost a great deal of weight, and quickly, except for the glacial rise of his chest, the man could have been mistaken for dead. Jump and Jehoshaphat, whispered O'Malley. Teddy, what have they done to you? What we've done, said Fung, sternly, is keep our friend alive. How do you mean? What you see here, said Fung, is a Soma Lodge. Dear God, exclaimed O'Malley. So they do exist. Exist, Fung sneered. They've become quite popular. Popular or not, interjected Elizabeth, I haven't the faintest idea what you two are talking about. A servant arrived and set down a tea service. Lexi, Elizabeth, and O'Malley had no chairs, so they leaned against the walls as Fung poured steaming liquid into small cups. Would anyone care for tea? he asked. Only Elizabeth raised her hand. The idea is really quite simple, began Fung. Suppose you are a child, and you're playing a game. Suppose you call it Knights and Castles. You pick up a stick and pretend it's a sword. You call yourself Sir Galahad, and you gallop about the yard on a hobby horse. Then your mates join in, and you're all playing together now. You pretend to fight a dragon. You pretend to save the princess. You share your vision. Of course, interrupted O'Malley. And then you grow up, you leave the schoolyard behind, and you say good riddance. Elizabeth frowned at this. Such bitterness did not sound right from O'Malley. For the first time, she doubted whether he'd had many boyhood friends. ''But consider the mind,'' said Fung, his eyes wide with ardour. ''What is the mind?'' ''It is energy. It is electrical currents. We Chinese have known this for millennia. Now, suppose you could combine the current from one mind with the current of another. You imagine yourself in the same place at the same time. Your minds share a fantasy.'' Fung gestured to the needles sticking out of the bearded man's face. And you join them together with acupuncture. Yet are they not asleep, objected O'Malley. How do they control their dreams any more than the rest of us do? It's not exactly sleep, said Fung, nor is it precisely a dream. They have entered a deliberate trance. Their visions are lucid, They know where they really are and what is happening. If they walk through a fire, they will not feel its burn. If they eat a meal, its taste will fail to satisfy them. And when they wish to leave the dreamscape, they have only to concentrate, and they shall wake. Fine, then, blustered O'Malley. Let's wake him up. O'Malley moved towards Sir Shanley, but Fung stepped between them. He grasped O'Malley's arm and leaned toward his ear. But that's the hitch, my friend. We can't rouse him. Puppycock, blurted O'Malley. Look, O'Malley, an electrical current is running through his brain. He is deeply invested in his subconscious. If you tear him away, there is no telling what damage it could wreak. But why do they do it? asked Elizabeth. What's the point of all this? The point. Fung smiled perplexedly. Entertainment, my dear, a diversion, an escape from the world. Perhaps you are too young to understand, or perhaps life has rewarded you enough. But a Soma Lodge is a place of sanctuary. You leave behind the drudgery of life. You create a world, and you share that world with others. What could be more wondrous? How long do they stay? Elizabeth said. Ah, an excellent question, replied Fung. Time is very different in the dreamscape. Sometimes minutes pass the same as our own. Other times entire days could pass in a single hour. Most get their fill in a day or two. Some stay for only a couple of hours. These Brahmins arrived last night. The bearded fellow came this morning. I expect they'll wake sometime this evening. What about Sir Shanley? Fung lowered his head. That, my dear, is the source of all our woes. Theodore came three weeks ago. Three weeks, O'Malley sneered. You mean to tell me he's been slumped in that chair for twenty days and no one has thought to bring him back? Mind your tone, sir, Fung shot back. We've all thought to bring him back. All our guests have met him in the dreamscape. They beseech him to wake... But he refuses. They say he is content. In his mind, he lives quite happily. But out here, his body... Fung sighed. He won't last much longer. How have you kept him alive? asked Elizabeth. We use a feeding tube. Feeding tube, exclaimed O'Malley. Where did he even find one? From a doctor, no doubt. Fung hedged. No, and anyway, it doesn't matter. If I had to guess, said Elizabeth, I'd say you borrowed one from the local police. Now Fung looked away. He pressed his hands against the back of a chair and leaned forward, his face hardened. Not the local police. I know a constable in London. The police, O'Malley said. What business would a bobby have with a feeding tube? For suffragettes, said Elizabeth gravely, when they go on hunger strike... The police round them up and force liquid sustenance down their nasal passage. There was a long pause. Both men were stupefied, and Lexi only gritted her teeth in disgust. The topic had derailed, and no one seemed certain what to say. The only sound in the room was the zip of electricity above the mysterious box. At last Elizabeth cleared her throat and declared, I'll go talk to him. ''Elizabeth,'' protested O'Malley. ''Surely not. I ought to be the one.'' ''No, you oughtn't, actually.'' ''Liz, you've never even met the man.'' ''That might work to our advantage.'' ''What sense does that make?'' ''It makes sense,'' said Elizabeth fiercely, ''because he doesn't want to live anymore.'' Another silence fell over the room. Fung stepped back, as if to remove himself from the conversation. O'Malley's mouth fell open, stunned. The only sound was Lexi's violent sniffle, signaling the tears that would soon pour down her cheeks. "'Isn't it obvious?' said Elizabeth. "'Look at him. He spent three weeks in a trance. He stopped writing you. He deserted his wife. "'What does he care whether you feed him or not? "'He's made his decision. "'He wants to stay there until his body gives out.' He's given up on everyone he knows. But maybe, just maybe, a stranger can do what a friend can't. They all exchanged glances, but there was nothing to debate. O'Malley scowled, but he couldn't help but nod his assent. Mad as it sounded, Elizabeth was right. They all knew what must now be done. You've been listening to The Palace of Wayward Dreams, Episode 5, by Robert Eisenberg. The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown are produced by Backpack Media, LLC. Original music by Naoya Sakamata and 60 If you like what you're hearing, you might also enjoy The Mysterious Tongue of Dr. Vermilion* and Other Stories, the first book in the Elizabeth Crown series. For more information about the exciting field of oncology, visit elizabethcrown.net.